this is a marketing for learning podcast the only podcast in the world that's guaranteed to increase your knowledge skills and capabilities when it comes to marketing for learning plus there's a gratuitous amount of pineapples you're welcome Uh, hoi hoi, fellow Marketing for Learning podcast listeners. You have a very special, delightful snack today. Me and Han are here. Um, Hi. Chatting shit, really, aren't we? <laughs> well, it's our birthday. Yes, exactly. So we have decided to do a completely unformatted, unscripted, not that anything we ever do is scripted, <laughs> um, but there is no kind of premise to this besides celebrating our birthday is there we, I can't believe the podcast turns two this week I know it's the, it, genuinely I know it's quite cliche to say it feels like yesterday that we were like starting the podcast and I'm going to confess a story to everyone to kick us off that when I first tried to record an episode on my own for the marketing for learning podcast it was shocking I put on a very posh voice and was acting like I was on the BBC and Ashley told me it was pants told me to go get Prosecco and loosen up (laughs) so if you go back in the archives the first episode that I recorded on my own is Prosecco Field and I'm not even sorry about it Hey, I mean, I think being honest, how much of your output at Mass is Prosecco fueled, though? Like, you know, that's... I'm not answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm powered by gin, wine, and sleep deprivation. So, like, that's also fine. So we're fine. Like, that's all all we need in life. But yeah, so this is episode 68. So yeah. in that time, we've released 68 episodes. We've had incredible guests like P- Peter Manish-Reiber. We've had Caroline Fitzpatrick from L'Oreal come on. We've had Paula Hughes. We've had lots and lots of other guests as well. And on top of that, we've um, rambled on <laughs> for 68 episodes. But, you know, it's incredible. We were just posted the other day. We've had over 20,000 downloads so we must be doing something all right, I hope, I guess. It, it feels a little bit insane. I'm not quite sure what we're doing, right? But hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We're going to continue. <laughs> we should have recorded this later and had alcoholic beverages, I think. We should have. We should have a <laughs> birthday party. Like, yeah. Where, where's our party hats? We missed the we, trick we, there. We've done it wrong. We've done it wrong. <laughs> I've, I, right, that's it. We're cancelling it. We're starting again, you know. <laughs> And this is just a genuine insight into how we collaborate together. (laughs) Yeah, sad but true. So what's uh, what's going on with you? I saw I saw your lovely rant um, about completions versus competency, which uh, I think a lot of people resonated with that. (laughs) Yeah, I I won't go into it too much again because it literally was the last episode of the pod as well. Um, I took over your reins, Ash, and I did a ranty pod. But I've been doing a lot of discovery recently. I've kicked off a lot of projects with some huge organisations. And the obsession of, oh, but the completion rate's there. Oh, but they tick the box is still there. And I thought we were beyond it. And I think Mm. that's why I got my knickers in such a twist about it. Because we're clearly going back in time as far as I'm concerned. And I get it. I get that we can report on completions easier perhaps more reliably, but it doesn't mean anything. It genuinely doesn't mean anything. None of us get into this industry 
to make people complete courses. Like, that's just not what we're here for. And I think I was living in a bubble where L&D were in agreement about that. And I've noticed over the last couple of months, they're not. We're also kind of obsessed with completion rates and small sheets and people really like the learning. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been in this industry for over a decade now and everything just moves at a glacial pace. Like Mm -hmm. there's always a lot of conversation about stuff before anything really happens or changes or moves in any way. So like AI is the biggest hype button in the world right now. But, you know, after my chat with Egla, I really struggle to see how this is actually going to be widely adopted to the point where it's going to be of value to L&D for quite a while. So we all want to talk about it. We all want to be really excited about it. But executing it and putting it into practice in our learning functions is two very, very different things. You know, and I think in some ways, like I I think like look at look at what we've done since we started mass, you know, it's four years down the line, more people are talking about marketing for learning than ever before. I'm not saying that we're solely responsible for that, but I certainly believe we've had a role to play in bringing that at the forefront of people's agendas. It's our birthday. Let's say it was all us. Yeah, it was absolutely. Every (laughs) single shred of it was us. But, you know, we were were talking about like awards earlier, for example, Mm. and how you know, I, I said something like the the awards in our industry are, are a mirror for the archaic measurements that we still have in place as a learning function because the award categories are best blended learning, best mm. internal experience, best external experience. Like where's the like we we've kind of stopped entering industry awards because there's no category that fits what we do you know so we kind of are like the marketing trying to shove our marketing pineapple shaped peg into <laughs> the square hole saying yeah, yeah we, we're learning but we're not and so it, it you know I think I guess what I'm trying to get at is where what prompts innovation what forces change because people tend to only change something when it's more painful to keep the status quo than it is to to introduce change our our industry, I think, is very much in that space, kind of that mentality of it ain't broke, so yep. don't fix it. But, you know, I'm starting to consider like there there has to be better ways for us to do this. Um, and, you know, I think the completions thing is such a prime example, you know, mm. but but what's what's really going to provoke innovation? Even things like AI aren't going to provoke this massive fire and start this huge fire in learning functions because the they're bound by the business. Yeah, I wish I had like a blanket answer because it feels to me like a lot of the challenge comes from senior management. So they haven't changed their way of thinking. They aren't seeing for people to report on completion rates, active user percentages and things like that that don't matter. So L&D are kind of even the most innovative and forward-thinking L&Ders are still being asked to report on these things that we know don't matter. And if your boss is asking for something, they're paying your paycheck. What are you going to do? Yeah, but that's still, that feels like a learning lens that's been inflicted on them, right? Because as soon as you started saying that, I just thought, well, that's language that a, like a CEO mm-hmm. wouldn't use. Like, oh, what level of completion do we have in learning? There's just not a chance that they'll ask yeah. that sort of stuff. They'll be like, well, how many people are using what we're paying for? That's probably yeah. what you might get asked at a really rudimental level. So again, it it goes back to learning and development have educated the business yeah. on 
what's important in inverted commas. And so that's what the business is asking for back. You know, ultimately it is, it is hard to get performance data that makes sense. It is hard to innovate and go against the tide and, and really genuinely change things because it starts at that mindset level and the attitude Mm -hmm. of learning within the business. But unless we actually want to change ourselves, we're never going to be able to change the narrative externally within the wider organization, right? We're never going to be seen as a a driver of the EVP. We're never going to be seen as something that is integral to the success of the business instead of the transactional cost center, compliance powerhouse, the thing that is the order taker, does what the business wants it to do rather than a sassy marketing department that has proven their worth and and therefore gets the ability to dictate what they do a little bit. Listening to you then, Ash, we hear a lot of people being like, L&D needs a seat at the table and L&D need to be higher up in organisations and all that jargon that people talk about. It's like, and I'm generalising here and I'm sorry, please don't take offence if this isn't you, L&Ders are just sitting there waiting to be gifted this this magical thing that's going to make them more important and make people take them more seriously and realize what we're doing is incredible truthfully i don't know many marketers that would do that not many good ones anyway lnd are kind of sitting on their laurels waiting for somebody to give them something and Mm. i think it's a time for a bit more proactiveness and going out there and actually going hey look this is what we're doing this is the business impact we're causing this is the change we're making rather than just trying to do it and then going, but five people completed it. Yeah. I don't think anyone fact, would brag about that, but. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> if you have 10 employees, maybe, but then you wouldn't have a learning function. No. Um, <laughs> you know, and then that's proactive is an interesting word because when you were speaking, I was thinking we're actually a very passive function, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, what what's the origins of that passivity? Why? Why have we, we're, we're like the uh, very British as a function, I think, yeah. you know, like I grew up in the States. I, I, you know, my formative years were there. I lived there until I was 13 and then moved to England. So I've lived here for 24 years now. Good maths, Ashley. <laughs> um, and I'm still very American in some of my attitudes and mindsets, like, you know, my partner, if you won't take stuff back with Hannah's pulling face. Very British. Yeah, us Brits do not claim him. <laughs> I take stuff back all the time. <laughs> I see that quite a lot. Like, it's quite um, yeah. rude. It's, you know, to it's so yeah. not that he's passive, but you I get think what I mean. An like, example as well is um, like when you're at a restaurant and you've just been moaning about the food and then the waitress comes over and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's great. Thank you. That's a very typically British thing to do. Oh, yeah. Tipping your hairdresser after a terrible haircut. Yeah. Another great example. <laughs> yeah. But what? so the analogy I'm kind of getting from here is though, like, it is kind of like, like oh, like, don't rock, you know, don't upset the apple cart. Don't rock the boat. Like, ooh, we might we might lose even more footing if we piss people off. Like, mm. we don't want to do that. So we're kind of this like very humble quiet function that kind of tinkers on in the back background willing willingly almost yeah and you know carrying on with that british analogy that whole stiff upper lip people blame lnd for a lot oh this has gone wrong so they've not had the right training it's all lnd's fault and i rarely see lnd push back Mm. they just go okay yes sorry yep i'll work on it actually nine times out of ten 
there's probably other things to play at play as well. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that's a great analogy that L and D is a very British function. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's not necessarily the best way to describe Brits, but hey, no, but culturally, I think yeah, there are elements of like you know you you're not culturally quite a, a you know very respectful yeah um, culture quite quiet in public transport. L and Ders would always queue up for the bus. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> We know our place and we wait in line. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I, I just, I don't know how we've ended up here, but there we are. This is what happens when it's unscripted. <laughs> Can you imagine if we actually read from a script? Hi, my name is Ashley. I'd be like you, Prosecco free first episode. I don't think I've got the recording for that anymore. I've had a new laptop since. I'd love to listen back. Gosh, I mean, some of mine were bad, but I like interestingly doing this. I don't know if this is you've you've noticed this in yourself as well now, but like my my ability to just kind of competently execute if I'm like if I'm recording something for LinkedIn now or like even when I was speaking at Learning Live, like I built the deck on the train and didn't really look at it again and then presented it even without like a presenter notes or whatever. It's really helped me to be a lot more confident in my ability to deliver. Yeah, and uh, I've definitely learned to tolerate my voice. Um, <laughs> you know, once you edit many episodes of yourself, you think, "Oh God, okay, well that's what you sound like." Um, but do you think it's like it's helped you with with kind of like any public speaking or like, your general confidence? No, definitely. And I think actually the change. I don't know if you feel the same. Was um, learning live, not this year's one, the one before, so twenty twenty three. No, we're in 23 now, I'm in 2022. Yes. <laughs> I'm confused. Um, That's not quick maths. <laughs> no, bad maths. Um, because people came up to us and was like, oh, I really, really appreciate the podcast. I really love listening to you guys. I really find it helpful. And up until that point, as much as we could see people were listening, we weren't getting a lot of feedback. And then like this year we had people again coming up to us being like, one guy came up to us and was like, oh, I just want to say thank you. And I think for the first time ever, both you and I were speechless. Like we mm. didn't know what to do. So really it's a feedback and it's a recognition of like, no, Ash and Han, you are actually talking about something that really does work and it is making a change. And then we've got like our super fans, um, hi Emma, that are sharing oh. it across all their teams. Yeah, Paula too. It makes such an, like it just means a lot. And I think it's external validation as well that I think has helped me with my confidence. Mm. Yeah, and I think you know that is because you do you just put this stuff out in the ether, you know, and we we can get listening listenership stats from Podbean and be like, oh yeah, look, that's how many people listened to that episode. But to actually have people like so many people message me on LinkedIn and just say, I I learned so much from the podcast. I learned so much from you and Hannah, and it's yeah, it is a very humbling thing to have people because you know we're just sat in our rudies a lot of the time, just yeah chatting what, we, what we're passionate about and I don't know for it to have that level of resonance and the ability to genuinely impact is incredible and such a, an, an honor really because this yeah, is just is. something I was like I think we should do a podcast and <laughs> yeah. now we do a podcast and it's great so bar, bar in the um completions issue that is grinding your gears is there anything yeah. else that's kind of like constantly running around in your brain at the moment like why is this like this why is this happening what is or like the same sort of conversations that you're having with every customer 
that you speak to. <laughs> there's something. And there's two sides of the coin, essentially. We either have, and I don't want to say clients because it's people we just know in the industry and we talk to, it's listeners to the podcast, it's people that come on the masterclass. There's so many different people. People either really just want to dive in head first and create like a really pretty banner advert or something or a whizzy video or a gif or they want the strategy and they don't think about the outputs Mm. and I kind of want and I I think it is because of the infancy of what we're doing here marketing for learning is a really new thing people are like where do I start what do I do Um, I'm actually writing a blog right now kind of answering that because it is a big old thing we talk about so many different areas like where on earth do you actually start but you need the strategic thinking and the outputs for this to work it's no good sitting in your ivory tower thinking a good thought about marketing for learning we've got to be able to actually do it and you can't just do it without the strategic thinking because then it's just going to fall short and we're probably going to fall back into the traps that we've been in for decades when it comes to Mm. advertising learning so it's a bit of a muddly one but it's that it's a bit disjointed at the moment I'm finding my uh, conversations being that they're a bit one extreme to the other and I'd love to start thinking holistically and that's a big part of masterclass in it we tell people in it went right east London there (laughs) (laughs) been watching too much top boy (laughs) (laughs) but back back to what the actual point um, we talk a lot about thinking holistically and I would love to see that a lot more in the people that are embracing marketing for learning so happy people are embracing it but I think we've still got a little way to go I I totally agree and I think the issue you've got is we everyone thinks they can write and everyone thinks that they can design stuff just because you can doesn't mean like just because just because you can create something doesn't mean it's going to achieve its purpose I guess right so like if you if you invest time in building out a strategy even a communications cadence so like a structure Mm -hmm. of release of communication so no real campaign elements to it just I'm going to be a bit more consistent a little bit more visible you still need to make sure that the content that sits behind that is marketing grade so you're not still right you're thinking like a marketer when you're building out your strategy make sure that that is upheld through the content creation in both sides, the copy that you write and the positioning of it. Really like that phrase you've been using of marketing grade content Mm. because, and it kind of goes back, if we're going to take it right back to marketing theory, to the place element of the four or seven Ps, whatever you want to call them, marketing mix. If you're putting out an advert that looks like it's been designed on PowerPoint by somebody in year seven people are going to associate that with the level and the quality of your learning experiences they are going to make that connection so if the marketing looks pants they're going to assume the learning is pants unless it's done sarcastically (laughs) like have you seen have you seen the recent brewdog advert no there it's like back back to 1999 or the the prices of the pubs in the 90s so how much was beer like two pound a pint or something so they're doing like I think pints for 295 on New Year's Eve um but they've done the ad the first the first picture is like just brew dog or whatever but the second picture they've used loads of clip art (laughs) 
it's awesome but it's done intentionally you know to look outdated look old I'm frantically trying to find it now I can't <laughs> uh, I don't know where I saw it you know I don't know if I saw it on uh, I'll try and find it for you after but yeah you know so if, if 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 but again there's so much thought that's gone behind that that it looks shit but that's good <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. and it's that kind of thing and for the most part let's be realistic you're not going to be doing that deliberately so you're creating an association with kind of naff marketing they're going to expect the learning to be just as rubbish and they're not going to be excited to come and join so the quality of your output marketing grade as you just said there ash is really really important it is and and if it's not a skill you have in spades outsource because and that will lead me on nicely to what's grinding my gears and continues to grind my gears is woohoo yay our industry is starting to do um a little bit more marketing for learning that's awesome and that's really cool and we're starting to see some headcount being added to some lnd teams getting capacity for a marketer in a learning function oh my god like transformative this is amazing And then everything we've just talked about goes to shit because someone who isn't a marketer is brought into that marketing role. Mm-hmm. They're still looking through probably probably some sort of learning professional. You know, let's be honest, I see a lot of like LXD type people getting yep. pushed into these type of roles. I mean, not push, they want to do it. But, you know, even the best will in the world, like do our masterclass, that's going to give you some skills, but you're not going to be able to build a strap. Not fully. Yeah. You can't do, you know, if you haven't, you, you need to hire someone who's earned the stripes. Yeah. Ideally, someone who's who's either done internal communications. I personally think you want a marketer, not an internal comms person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, to my mind, there is a really distinct difference between someone yeah. who focuses on internal comms and is really about cadence and consistency and bringing brand messages to market information, whereas a marketer is specialist in influence, persuasion, you know, and knows lots of different structures, processes, psychological trips, tricks and tactics and strategies that are going to actually achieve goals through persuasion and influence. But we can't leverage that level of expertise from someone who's genuinely never done it before like it's great to give people these opportunities but I guess my frustration feels like we fall at the first hurdle yeah like we're finally getting buy-in in the business like we need this headcount and then we're we're not actually we're doing ourselves a disservice and then we're going to struggle not... to on it so then we're losing yeah, yeah, yeah. immediately yeah and then my fear is that people go oh it doesn't work yeah. Whereas we know it freaking God, it's a bit of a sweary episode. I nearly nearly properly swore there. Um, but you know, it, we we know it does. We see it working. Yeah. But I think the thing for me is it has to be done well. Marketing done well works. We yeah. see plenty of crappy marketing, just you know, vendor side in our industry alone. There's ton ten a penny, you know. So finding someone who genuinely gets it. That should be your task, not just yeah. filling the role for the sake of putting a bum on a seat or, yes, we've got a marketer now. Well, if they're not a marketer. But you haven't got a marketer, have you? <laughs> they might have a job title. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's really interesting because we always talk about how a marketing mindset is like the first piece of the puzzle, but there's so much more that you need. And I think the reason why L&D teams are falling into the trap of getting LXDs over into a marketing role is LXDs do typically kind of have a marketing mindset 
for what they do. Hmm. So if I think about when I was in-house, actually, I actually have no idea if my friend listens to this. My friend Justine, she's an LXD. And she was the best person for me to spitball ideas with because she got it. She got the way of thinking. She wouldn't be able to go out and execute it herself, but she was a great person to spitball ideas with. So I think because those people have got like 2% more marketing mindset than the rest, Mm. the mindset is, oh, well, they can do it. And that's not the case because having a marketing mindset or even criticizing the marketing you see, like having an opinion on the marketing that's out there, that doesn't mean you can go and do a better job. You might know what better is, but actually doing it is quite different. And like you said, you need to find someone that's earned their stripes. Both of us have been doing this for well over 10 years now. And we've earned our stripes and we've messed up many times. I'm saying yes. that I'm assuming that you've been there as well. There we go. Yep. It's We've we've learned our lessons and we've learned from our failures. And that's why we can do what we're doing. And I'm not necessarily saying everyone should come to us. There's only so much capacity we've got. But an actual marketer will change the game. Mm. Yeah, because uh, they just you know marketers are resourceful and I, I, you know to further your LXD point I think the reason they tend to slot into those roles is they they already typically adopt a sort of design thinking approach and there is some synergy between design thinking and marketing thinking um they're typically audience centric which helps so that's that's great and all like yes I'm really focused on the learner and if they're answering the what's in it for me and all that but the execution of all of that you know even something as simple as how do you translate the what's in it for me or the messaging across your different personas mm-hmm. you know that that's not just as simple as saying we're gonna have a tagline and we're gonna roll it out across you know, all of our, our different audiences. Like I I was doing a strat the other day and I actually broke, I had a tagline and then I broke it down from using the Adel and broke down what other phrases and terminology and things we can say and use that, that always all link back up to the main tagline, but at different stages of awareness, never mind then on a per 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 persona, per persona, per persona basis. (laughs) <laughs> just my sparkling water. Yeah, this is the elixir of the gods. Water. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would drink it all the time. That's right. It's actually um actually prosecco vodka soda. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I get so much done when I'm just absolutely laced with gin at one p.m. So yeah, but I, you know, I this is where the enrichment of someone who's you know specialist and has done this before. This is this is I think where you separate the wheat from the chaff and you know you really yeah. can see that and I again I guess the other challenge is it's a non-marketer hiring a marketing person it's hard yeah. you know I we're, we're here we're here kind of discussing ideals with the understanding that actually this isn't straightforward and this isn't easy I mean gosh we've recruited here and <laughs> I mean God, we recruited for a marketing exec and I looked through I think maybe 200 CVs yeah mad. That's a lot. and then did I, I don't know, maybe like 30 provisional interviews, called those down to maybe yeah. about eight people, proper interviews, uh, proper assignment, la, 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 hired. It's, you know, still wasn't someone who could fully walk the walk. Difficult, you know? Yeah. So and it's, it is it's actually, if we're being like really transparent with any L&D listening, that's like, I'd love to hire a marketer. Hiring a marketer is hard. It's really, mm. really hard. And without blowing our own trumpets there aren't many incredible marketers out there 
Yeah. Sometimes I ponder that, Hannah. Are we actually good at marketing or are we just better than everybody else? And that doesn't mean that we're good. (laughs) Does that mean, you know what? No, I think think we're excellent because we're blowing our own trumpet today because it is our birthday. The bar might be low, but we are excellent. (laughs) We are. We know what we're doing, I think. Um, I do wish I had a party blower, you know. I just, I feel like... I'm going to Photoshop some hats in, I think. Oh, nice. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm going to do some sound effects of party blowers. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah how was that brilliant was that good yeah really Accurate. believable <laughs> yeah i am literally like the guy out of police academy and you're not gonna know who i'm referring to god <laughs> you also haven't seen bill and ted's excellent adventure everybody um <laughs> don't watch films i don't really watch telly what i do make watch me feel old. is rubbish reality tv and reruns of friends <laughs> uh, i'm in that loop with you too don't worry <laughs> Well, this has been nice. It's nice. I don't like, I don't know. People don't get a huge opportunity to get to know us on a more kind of like candid level. You know, I, I, we're both quite authentic and quite human on LinkedIn and the such like, but it's nice to be able to just have a bit more of a, like a normal conversation where it's not laser focused on, well, mostly what pisses us off and <laughs> <laughs> what's kind of causing like, us angst. More than once we've said, like when we have our weekly catch ups, oh, we should have recorded this. It's pretty much mm. what we've done, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I think, you know, we do have a lot of ideas and a lot of like a lot of passing thoughts, I think. And, you know, like we'll we'll see stuff on LinkedIn or sort of post someone does and we'll share it with each other, like, what the heck do you think of this? This is nonsense or whatever. Like, oh my God, what um the storyline AI thing when you sent that to me and you're like, This is ridiculous. Honestly, <laughs> I can't I can't I still can't work it out. Like, is it mm. building courses? Is it just turning out more rubbish e-learning? Who knows? Although for many, many a year, learning tech companies have been saying they're infused with AI and they're not. So I'll be, like you said, it's not going to happen anytime soon where AI is really going to. And when I say anytime soon, it's moving quickly. It could be next year, but it's not going to be this week. I can't see it's application. I really can't. I, like the way that I see it is unless, so where it would really work well, in my opinion, is if learning was truly embedded in the flow of work. So you had some sort of interface that was locked into everybody's computers that sits in the background. And so maybe they're on Google and it's searching, they're searching for how to do X, Y, or Z. It could pop up and say, hey, we have a company specific resource that might be useful for you. That's fantastic AI. Yeah. But the but level also, of like, like immediately I'm thinking people are gonna hate that for their privacy reasons. If they can't turn it off. Yeah. And also, where do you draw the line? Do you just keep it for like HR procedures and policies? Like they're looking for like something for like sickness or paternity leave or whatever. Does that prompt up with something? But again, it's only as good as the quality of the data in the back end. And in mine, to my knowledge, very few learning functions have a really well structured, catalogued and categorized learning offering, i.e. AI can't just go no. on all, you know, oh, we've got this content library over here. We've got LinkedIn learning over here. We've got um, Coursera here, Udemy here. Uh, and then we've got our LXP over here, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't think, I don't know what you think AI can do with that. Cause it's still, yeah. you know, if we think about the, what I associate it with is like automation that I've used in like HubSpot, 
right? When we when I've built out like really sophisticated, complex workflows, kind of if then behavioral based stuff, highly successful. And on those, I was getting open rates mm-hmm. 50, 60%. That's yeah. back when I worked at MindClick, incredible open rates. Yeah. But the level of quality, clean, useful data I needed in the first place to be able to actually even, okay, I know who these people are. I know what they're doing. I can see what they're doing on the websites. I can see what they aren't or aren't doing or engaging with my marketing. I just don't, I don't personally see where the learning industry is going to genuinely be able to robustly use it because we have a lot of mess to clean up before it can make use of what we, what we have in a point where it can be meaningful for a recipient, a learner. Absolutely. I was just thinking four of the clients that I'm working with right now have all complained to me about how much of a mess their learning platform LFPs and their whole learning ecosystem is. So we're, Mm. we're starting off from quite a tricky place. And you mentioned in the automation, I've heard quite a few people call that AI. And I'm like, we've been doing that for years. We've been yeah. doing it. That's automation. That's not AI. It's not. So I think we're, we're definitely still on a learning curve. And I'm nowhere near understanding it to have a formed opinion on it. No, but... I, I agree. I, I I mean, I learned like some stuff from Egla, <laughs> But I was like, wow. It was kind of... um the more you know the more you realize you don't know know. kind of situation well I've worked with one of our clients recently um who are rolling out and it is really business critical to them um they're in a very different industry to just learning um and I've worked with them on their gen ai marketing campaign and in one of the first calls somebody was like gen ai does not equal chat gpt and I was like well what does it mean then? <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't have a clue. Because <laughs> I was like, isn't that one of the same? And that's where my learning like journey started with it. And I'm nowhere near understanding it at all. And I think working with them and the complexities of the learning they're putting out there, it's really clear to me that it, it's going to be huge. It is a, a massive topic and we can't all be experts on it. And I feel like everyone's trying to be right now. And I'm mm. very happy just trying to learn as much as I need to learn and going with the flow, if I'm honest. I just think it's an opportunity for quality to rise again, right? Because I, so let's talk about it in the context of marketing, right? I, I'm seeing quite a, a much like in our industry, a big surge of people who've suddenly become chat GPT or gen AI experts. Here's how you can write great prompts to, uh, you know, for any copywriting need, whether it's a meta description on your website or a new social post here. And like one guy, it was like these very like convoluted like prompts. And, you know, what I learned with Eggler is you can't really like train ChatGPT. So we couldn't sit with it unless you pay and go behind a firewall and then go into like essentially like a sandbox where you invest again significant amounts of time to train the bot to think like you, to speak yeah. like you, all that stuff. So ChatGPT is just this kind of, you know, you can do a lot with prompts, but how long is it going to take you to write a prompt that creates something that's better than what you could have created if you put that creative energy into the output that you wanted to do in the first place? So why would you give it to the bot to create when you could just put that energy into yourself? I don't care. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, to me, that's not a shortcut. No. That's not simplifying a process. That's not enhancing if you're if you're good at what you do. And I think that's why for me, like Gen AI isn't doesn't solve any any of my my problems because yeah. 
I'm really comfortable with writing. I'm really comfortable with strategy. I'm really comfortable with every aspect of my job. So it doesn't add value to me. So I guess it's mediocrity, people who aren't so comfortable in, in doing what they're doing that are, especially in marketing, yeah, leveraging this tool, particularly for copywriting, I think. And all it's doing is creating low grade, low value content. You can spot it a mile off. Yeah. You know, it reads also, wrong. I've So I often look at zero GPT as well. So if you put copy in there, it tells you whether it's been written by a bot. But I've also realized that if you ask ChatGPT to write you a blog, I'd say confidently, I'd say six times out of 10, it starts with, in the ever-evolving landscape of blank. <laughs> so there's a little tip for you. If anyone listening to this is using ChatGPT for their copy, don't use that sentence because now I just read it as that is written by a bot. Um, sadly, you might use it yourself, but I still think it's written by a bot now because that's the association I've got. But mm. it, it's not it's not fresh. It's not different. It's not providing new and innovative ideas. Sooner or later, it's going to be the same things churning out time and time again. And that's where yeah. the human touch. At the moment, obviously, it's changed hugely over the last few years. It's going to continue to change. So who knows? We might completely change our mind on this on our third birthday. But right now, I'm not sold. <laughs> oh, I just, I'm, for me, I don't see where it adds value. The time investment I'd have to make to learn learn about it isn't where I want to invest my energy. Because yeah. I, whilst it might be a, a tech... You know, there's lots of things that happen in marketing that we don't need to be a part of because it's not relevant, doesn't pertain to our goals and objectives. And I think, you know, I guess that's that's the the guess the final thing with stuff like this is use use the new tech, use the new idea if it helps you accomplish your goals, if, if it helps you do something that you couldn't ordinarily do without it. You know, and and if it if it's not adding that level of value, and that should be your your low level expectation yeah. if it's not helping you achieve that don't just get excited and hop on the bandwagon because it's the next hot thing see how you know this is we see it all the time where yeah. lnd introduces stuff to its and this is why we have fifty thousand content libraries an absolute mess of a haberdashery of learning platforms because we get excited about this stuff, we procure it, we bring it in, and then we don't really know how it fits in with our ecosystem. And we don't even really know if it's going to help us achieve our goals. It's just, oh, well, everyone else is having this thing and we definitely need that thing too, because if we don't have that thing, we're obviously not a future-focused learning function. And what if we're not a future-focused learning function, we're going to you know, lose our foothold that we've got in the organization and everything will dwindle. But actually, the more you introduce stuff that has no meaning and no context and no value the more you're going to disengage your audience, I think. And absolutely, like, we need to still have that curiosity. We still need to explore. We can play around. But I think it's then jumping too far ahead, like you just said, introducing it into the business when it doesn't actually help you achieve your goals, when it isn't going to create business outcomes, it's not going to instigate performance change or anything like that. That's where we fall short. When I was on um, Heidi Kirby's block um, podcast, I said, like, I have been guilty of spending too many hours playing with Beyond because it's fun to play with. It feels like playing Sims at work. Like, this is obviously years ago when I worked for Vendor, but I've, I've sat there and played it. And then as I was, like, 
playing around. I'd be like, actually, this isn't how I want to create my video. This video isn't actually going to help me achieve my goal. So I explored, I played around, I was curious, understood what it could do for me, and then realized, actually, that's not relevant for what I'm doing. And mm. it's that little bit at the end that we seem to be missing. Um, that's the curiosity should be there. What is this? How is it going to serve me? Yeah. I need to know enough about it to understand that. Once I understand that, I can either use it or lose it, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. doesn't this come back to the point that we start most of our presentations with when we're talking to new audiences, that shiny new tech is not going to solve learning problems? No, very rarely. I think, you know, it goes back to that hierarchy of needs thing that we've talked about in the past. Your product needs to be to a certain standard before really marketing is going to be beneficial. Um, so, yeah, if you have a really outdated learning system, um, you know, your learning offering is is shallow or not aligned to um, learner expectations, job role capabilities, whatever is relevant. Um, but if it is just a bit of a mess, that does need to be fixed first. Mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't solve all the problems, but it. it it can, it, there's, we need to be at a certain standard these days, I think, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So it, it can be problematic, but people tend to, in my experience, I see a lot where if, if the success is dwindling on a system, the assumption is that it's the system that's not working. And I, that, I think that's what we mean by that. Like, don't just replace yeah. tech because you think the tech's the problem, like actually dig down a little bit, burrow in there and really consider like what the heck is causing these issues you know if my goal I don't know about you when I ask my people what are you trying to achieve with learning right what's your ultimate goal what's the purpose of the learning function a lot of people don't really have an answer to that question and if, if they do it's like the like very generic thing that the team have agreed that means nothing I mm. asked that question last week and I actually said but what does that mean and then I got blank yeah. faces because you feel like you feel like you're being really obtuse don't you asking the yeah. same question repeatedly but you know because I've had the same same sort of conversations where you can't kind of get to the nub of it because you just dance dance around and I think that's that's the real questions we should be asking is okay because once you know that once you know your purpose once you know your goal that really changes everything because it will influence your strategy. It will influence the tech that you get involved if you need any at all. It will influence where you shift your budget and how you invest your time, energy, and resources a learning function. I mean, look at um, Al from ING, one of the earliest interviews we did. He, I think he'd been at ING maybe like three or four years. And they basically were like, we're really happy with our learning offering. We're not going to do, we're not going to build any more learning. We're really happy with what we've got right now. So the whole team was built around communications and engagement with learning. And, you know, I think, again, because they knew what their goal was and they were very, very clear on their purpose and how they were going to bring that to life for the business. You know, these are kind of the bigger questions that need to be answered. And as we're starting to approach a new year, the planning phase is in full pelt. We know that. Um, that's why we're so busy all of a sudden. Hey, you guys, you can <laughs> spend your budgets earlier on in the year, you know. Um <laughs> So, you know, I think, think about these things, you know, they seem really like ethereal, hmm. but they're worth, they're worth a consideration. They're worth a brainstorm. Like what the, why are we here? It is surely isn't as simple as help people in their careers. Like what, what, it, like really unravel that and get to the, 
root of the root and the bud of the bud, you know, like that's. To be fair, I feel like help people in their careers is probably a bit too specific compared to some (laughs) of the answers I get. Well, look, we've been chatting rubbish for nearly an hour and in typical Reggie fashion, my dog is now barking. Um, So Han, happy birthday. Thank you so much for all of your brain thoughts and brain farts that we've had on the podcast. (laughs) It's, you know, it's lots of fun. And, you know, I'm really excited for the next year. Ditto. And happy birthday to you too. And thank you for having the brainchild of coming up with a podcast and it was so original right it's so original (laughs) nobody has podcasts we're completely Mm. innovative very unique yes that's just an innovator (laughs) through and through you are trailblazer (laughs) that's right woohoo all right my love well look thank you for your time listeners if you've got this far well done (laughs) proud of you guys um I don't know if you like this then let me know because we might do a few more of these type of ones where there's a little bit less structured format um I don't know. Don't know. Until we listen to it, I have no idea if this was good or not. No, maybe we won't publish it at all. I know. That would be a (laughs) wame. A wame. That was a waste and a shame. (laughs) What a wame. And on that note. (laughs) (laughs) See you later, guys. Bye. (laughs)